Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Paris of Copper Beach Financial Group. I'm really excited because today, John and Michael are going to start a new series, and it's a series of case studies, meaning they're going to look at one of the families that they worked with and really tell the audience exactly what they did with that family, what their needs were, how they met them, how they came to start working together, what the process looked like, and then kind of what the conclusion and or kind of how they're doing now. It's, it's one of those shows where you say, hey, where, where are they at now? Um, we always like those. So, gentlemen, I'm excited to get started. John, Michael, hello. Eric, how are you today? I, I told you I'm excited, John. This is I, I love this yeah, kind of stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. How you doing, Eric? We're excited too. All right. Yeah, we, yeah we're kind of excited about this this series because I think, I think when you put meat on the bones, as the term a lot of people use, you, you kind of get some clarity on why certain families go in certain directions mm-hmm. and their, the guidance they need to make sure things get uh, where they want it to be uh, as a family. And, and, and focusing on some of these key areas, it, it's, it's a surprise for most families when we address or ask certain questions. Like, I didn't know that was an issue. Now I know mm-hmm. it's an issue. We need to fix that. So it's a discovery as well, Eric, is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. But we're going to focus on this one family we have on the West Coast. It's a funny, funny family. You need a couple of cocktails after after you get done with with this gentleman. <laughs> um, but when we first met him, he 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 was very concerned about, as you can imagine, income tax. Mm-hmm. He lives in California, a very high tax state. Um, he was concerned about risk management. He uh, owns a electric company, electric contracting company. Okay, and he had a lot of risk exposure. And we had a podcast on a segregated asset plan that insurance structure we put in Puerto Rico. Yep. Uh, and you should, if you don't know what that is, listen to our podcast. Mark Sims did a great job outlining th- that benefit. But he, he, uh, our client really liked that idea. So we started our initial conversation on one specific topic, and from that topic, after we explained to him how the segregated asset plan worked, and all the pieces of the pie, we moved on. He was curious. So what else do you guys do at Copper Beach? And and the conversation went on for a little while longer. And we realized after about an hour conversation, he had four, five major areas that he was concerned about. Mm-hmm. It was business succession. Again, that income tax exposure, the family risk management. That was a key issue. He had business risk management. He had employee retention and key man planning. It's interesting. Google was stealing all his employees. I'll get into that in a little bit. Hmm. Um, and general asset protection. A, a lot of our families get uh, concerned about protecting assets. It, and I, I know we had that on one of our podcasts as a key issue. But but it's pretty consistent with the families we work with. But those are the areas that we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to start with the business succession story. That was That's a story around... He had a key man in his company, and he was pretty much running the show. Um, our client was out gallivanting, skiing in the mountains, and having fun. And this high-end high executive was running the company. And and this gentleman had no succession to his business, which we see quite often. And he just said, I'm just going to give it to this particular um, gentleman. He's going to run it. I have two daughters. They're not interested in the business. I have no succession to any family members. I'm just going to give it to this guy. 
And I said, oh, okay, hold on. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's not, you just can't do that. Let's go through that process. So through the discovery of, of that conversation, we helped him through uh, ideas and concepts around how we might want to transition his business. The income tax exposure was kind of coordinated with that because he didn't, he, we talked about selling his company outright to a competitor or to a third party, uh, but there's always tax exposure to that. If you remember, again, in one of our podcasts, when you sell an asset, you have to pay capital gains. So mm-hmm. he was concerned about the income tax exposure he'd have in that decision. Or including if he sold that to to this uh, uh, key executive yeah. that he had. It's really the same issue from a tax standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the fun part was getting his wife on the call with us because our focus typically is we want to get everybody important involved. And we don't really know who that is initially, but his wife is a very, very smart, great note taker, by the way. She's the one with the brains, and that's what we tell them all the time. <laughs> uh, and he's the heart, he's, he's the one that runs the company. But she was very paramount in the first process because to her it was about family. It was about, okay, Bob, I understand what you're going to be doing with the company you're thinking with John and Michael, but I want to make sure our girls are protected. So that's where the asset protection theme started to develop into this plan. So right. I'm going to throw it to Michael. Sure. Well, I, I, I'll touch on the first item that we started this podcast with, with which is the business succession project. And as, as you mentioned, Dad, this business owner essentially was really ready to give the company, and I mean give the company, not, not sell the company, but wow. give the company uh, to this key executive. The key executive is very close with his family, uh, basically like another son that he didn't have. So it was very close. But if you think about that that transition, that's a that's a major asset that is now going to be lost to the family. So how is that going to how is that going to really all play out? Is that really the best way to structure that succession plan um, to meet both the business's needs and also the family family needs? Because again, this is the largest asset that the family really owned. So when we really started having a dialogue with the family and talk about that, it turned out that maybe that was not the best course of action to really to um, uh, to, to really go with. However we still had this succession plan because the owner, uh, Bob, in this case, really did rely on this chief executive to to run the company. But there was still some uncertainty around whether or not this gentleman, if he did sell the business to him, which was we, we kind of got him away from gifting the business and maybe more towards selling the business to him. But there's still this uncertainty around whether or not if Bob is out of the picture entirely, whether or not the chief uh, executive is really able to manage that company. So that was an exposure that the family was a little bit concerned about. And if you remember some of our earlier podcasts, that's a that's really a key issue with a lot of Absolutely. single owner businesses mm-hmm. in in that, okay, even if I do sell that to a key management team, are they going to be capable of running the company? Are they even going to be capable to buy the company, which is a, another issue that we can talk about in a little bit. Do they even have the wherewithal to buy it? But if they can buy the company, what what risk am, do I have or does my family have on that transition? Is there a buyout that's involved? Is it going to be upfront for cash? So one of the things that this this business owner uh, was looking at is, is he said, I want to make sure that my business and my family are protected. Most importantly, the family is protected for the value of the business if I sell this to this executive and he can't manage the company because that's going to be a value presumably that I'm going to lose. Again, he's thinking if the company is paid to or the company proceeds are paid to him via a buyout of some sort. Mm-hmm. So he looked at a life insurance policy. He said I want to have a life insurance policy in place that if if I pass away and the business is transitioned to this chief executive that my family is at least going to get that value replaced back to to them 
even if the, the business goes to hell in a handbasket, they still have that value. That was one of the first things that he really wanted to focus on because that provided that family protection that he was really looking for in this case. Yeah, and the other risk in that conversation was he had no retirement plans. He had no IRAs, he had no 401k plans. So the insurance decision was also commingled with a retirement structure because he's going to fund this policy over the course of the next 10 years and it's going to be a supplemental retirement structure for him as well as a key man policy to protect his family. Hmm. So in that particular design, we accomplished two objectives. Now, what's what's interesting about this business succession conversation is, as we just talked about, he was the business owner was very concerned if something happened to him, how the business would be protected. He was also concerned about if he if this key executive were to pass away, how is that going to affect his his business? And you'll yeah. see that there's, this is really a, a big key theme for this case is is employee retention and recruiting was a really, really key part. And we'll get into a little bit uh, why, in addition to this, that was a key a key point for the family. But the, he was really concerned. He said, this young executive that I have, he's really running the day-to-day operations. If I lose him, if he you, you know gets uh, hit by a bus or he goes and gets a, a better job elsewhere, how am I – now the business is really going to be jeopardized. So he looked at a key man insurance structure – to help protect the business as well. And he also made that available to this key executive through a deferred compensation plan uh, down the road. So in the event, a lot of ways that these policies are designed is that they benefit the company in the event that the executive passes away, but also in the event that the the, um, executive maintains employment with the company and retires down the road, there's a, a chunk of change that they can utilize to supplement their retirement benefits down the road. That was another uh, key business succession uh, strategy that he really liked and ultimately implemented. Now, nice. if, you, if you listen to Michael's points and my points, let's go backwards. So the focus was business succession. We handled that issue. We protected it with a key man policy, which allows him to have a retirement supplement. We handle the business risk management with both not only the key man policy, but a deferred compensation strategy for the key executive. And it was also employee retention of that key person. Mm-hmm. As you can see, there's a theme here. As you work with business owners, everyone really has that same uh, focus on these issues. At least what we find, a lot of our families are concerned about all the issues we just brought up. Now, the generational asset protection is the next step in this equation. And when we got involved in the estate planning, Imagine now all of a sudden we're building this big pie, these movements, these moving of these parts. What do we do with these parts? Let's get back to that segregated asset plan. Our recommendation was to have that owned potentially in a trust because they were concerned about asset protection. Uh, so we were, a lot, we were looking at that strategy, working with the team of advisors to make sure we start to protect all these assets so well. The insurance contract, for example, on our client's life, that was going to be owned in a trust because you don't want to include that in your taxable estate if you were to pass away. So it's protection from not only estate tax purposes, uh, but also has some income tax benefits on the accumulation inside these contracts for retirement supplements. So as you can see, a lot of dynamics here, and the client was pretty excited when he saw all these pieces start to come together. And the magic of this, at least my philosophy is, is when you connect all these dots to families, they see a a connection on the impact it has. Mm -hmm. All these good decisions are combined with the end result's going to be my kids are taken care of, my company's protected, 
I'm taking care of my key executives. My wife's smiling every day because we got to make the spouses happy. If not, the world's a little different. Oh, yeah. Um, my girls are taken care of. So you start to see it starting to mold into this. It has a life of its own, basically. And the first time the client saw anyone put this together for him, and that's what he was looking for. So the benefit of all this connection of all these particular pieces is the comfort he and the client has about things are in place. They're taken care of. Yeah, now let's take another step back because I think the generational asset protection piece that, that you just brought up, Todd, is, is important because you mentioned uh, trusts, and that was one key component that we uncovered in in his audit, uh, the family's audit, I should say, uh, that wasn't really, from his standpoint, after we brought it to his attention, really wasn't up to snuff. And that was the, the trust structure that he currently had in place uh, for his for his family. He had now, with, with this growing business, these uh, life insurance policies that were put in place, as you mentioned the term pie, Dad, that pie was starting to get a lot bigger. And when we looked at his existing trust structure, he left all of his uh, wealth, the family's wealth, mom and dad, to his two daughters, or to the two daughters in this case. But if you read the trust, and we've talked about this on prior podcasts, when you ha his trust had mandatory distributions at certain ages, actually at age 25 and 30, uh, if both he and his wife were to pass away. And at the time, they were both over the age of 25. So there, if, if, if the husband and wife had passed away, there was some percentage of the estate that was going to go out to his children outright and free of trust. So again, that larger pie was now going to be in their ownership personally. Mm. And when we had conversations with the family on what education do they have in terms of understanding the family wealth, the, the response we got is, well, they don't, they don't understand any of this. They're not, that they're not interested in the business. They, they're not married. They really don't understand financial management at all, which is an ongoing project that we're working on with them to this day. But that was a big asset protection theme that when we pointed that out to the client, they said, well, we really want to make sure that that gets changed. So one of the other things that we did from an asset protection standpoint is changed the language of their trust documents to not have those mandatory age pour outs, kept the assets in trust for a longer period of time and brought in a trustee who was actually a family friend uh, of the family to be able to make distributions out to the children at, at his discretion which is an interesting asset protection dynamic shift that if you've listened to prior podcasts on, on some of our asset protection um, um, episodes, you'll understand. I would go back and listen to them. It, we can go into a lot more depth there than we can today. But that was another key project that we worked on that, that uh, the family really wanted to make a priority at the, at the get-go. Now this, now, this is phase one. <laughs> I hate to say this. This is phase one of our relationship with this family. The next couple of years, phase two started to show up. And phase two is a reference point to the business. If you remember initially, we said when we first started the podcast that he wanted to give this company to this key executive. Mm -hmm. In no succession, the girls didn't want the business, and he was just going to give it to them. Well, we figured out a way to say, okay, there's a better way to skin this cat. Why don't we sell it to an ESOP? Remember, he's very focused on retention and, and recruiting employees because Google in on the West Coast steals everybody's employees. They, mm. they just they just steal everybody. So he was losing some some talent from his company. So one of the discussions we had was, well, why don't we look at an ESOP and let me show you what the ESOP can do. It can help you with retention and recruiting. Because remember, if you go back to our ESOP podcast, ESOPs are like a qualified plan. 
Every participant in the company owns a piece of the company once it's sold to that ESOP. So the employees take a different attitude towards, hey, I own this company. The more successful it is, the more my account balance grows for my retirement. Absolutely. So to start to switch a little bit, and to this day, they tell us that the employees are all in. They're working harder than ever. I think he was up 30% last year in production. And and this ESOP allowed him to walk away with double what he thought the company was worth, all tax-free. So that we created more wealth for him wow. by doing an ESOP structure, put more in that account, in that trust, to give more to his family members, i.e. the kids and his wife and beyond. And we also made this company p- protected by – Google stealing everybody because now he's starting to recruit talent because now they know there's an ESOP involved. There's more value proposition for someone to come and work for this firm. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the succession thought process here, it really started to develop with him. And right now he's no longer the owner of the company. He sold it to an ESOP. He's being bought out over the next, uh, I think, two two years, three years, Michael? Uh, Probably another two, three years from now, yeah. And he's out of the company, but this executive now has a lead position. He's a part owner, obviously, in the ESOP, and this company is growing like crazy. So it's a real good exit strategy for the client, and it's a great strength position for the employees. And as I said, they're growing this year at 30% with this particular structure. So when you, when you look at these designs, it has huge impact. Now the key is how do you track all this? Now every quarter, part of our process, if you recall, we meet with our clients either face to face or through a WebEx or, 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 or go to meeting to keep everybody on, tr- on track all these pieces, that big pie that Michael and I just talked about. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to keep track of this. So he's very comfortable that everything is in track. Now, here's another important part of the discussion we had with him. I said to him, if you, if you die tomorrow, Bob, who's going who's gonna to run the wealth for the family? Who do you trust as one of your advisors? And he said, that's what I hired you guys to do. So he looks at this component of the process that he wants for his family to have someone guiding his wife and his girls and anybody else that's a member of his family down the road of life. So there's a, there's a lot of moving parts of this trust structures, uh, but, but the end result is the assets are protected. The business was sold to an ESOP. All the protection was put in place. The insurance structure, we didn't decide to put that inside a trust for a couple of reasons, but that was just closed down because we, when he did the ESOP, he could no longer fund an insurance company on his behalf. A yeah, private insurance. It's private insurance yeah. company. Yeah. Um, the business risk management was, was depleted. And the employee retention was a greater level. So if you look at these five areas, just with this particular client, it accomplished everything he wanted to accomplish. Now, it's interesting uh, as well, because all of this, all the things we just talked about, probably were the first two to three years of our relationship with the family. These are sort of the projects that we were tasked with really focusing on. Uh, and, and now what we're starting to see, again, with the company in particular, the company is now owned by an ESOP, which we, talk, we just talked about. The key executive is now really, for the most part, running the show. But now the company still has a business succession issue, uh, believe it or not. We still have this key executive who's really running the company now. Uh, you almost have more of a, a business succession issue in some way because 
it's not just now now the business owner doesn't own it anymore. Mm-hmm. The ESOP owns it. So it's a little bit of a different dynamic. So one of the things that we just uh, actually probably within the last two months uh, just worked with this business and uh, on and, and with the family is to bring in a CFO specific to the business to help the business and help this this key executive because they found through an analysis that they're they had great talent at the uh, let's say the entry level but they really needed a a good management team surrounding this this key executive to really help uh, strengthen the longevity of the company so that's a project that we helped them them do this is not something that every business owner uh, we work with needs but in this particular case it was a really uh, we think a key need and that really does protect the the family and the ex business owner as well because again if you remember the ESOP transaction, he is owed money from that transaction over the next two to three years. So again, this is now a, a business succession and family protection plan as well. Make sure that we build good talent inside of that ESOP to be able to pay out the family and and get all of the uh, full value of that company out to the family. Yeah, most businesses we work with, Eric, they work in the business, not on the business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is that key piece and we convinced Bob to say you need to take the next step for that protection and Michael brought up a great point We had multiple dialogues with him and his key executive and they both agreed now the CFO we brought in is is Knocking the ball out of the park. I got a call from him the other day Bob the other day He goes I, I'm gonna love this guy. I'm gonna kiss him every time he walks through the door <laughs> Because he's doing see such impact so you got now Bob at a different level You got the executives comfortable as you start to see the succession conversation takes a lot of a lot of effort to make sure it gets to the right 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 focus so but it ebbs and, sh- and changes and flows a little differently doesn't it from the way you started he had one concern it ended up where he had a, a great success in that transition but the concerns were there and we fixed those as well so it's a process uh, through discovery and again this is a five-year client so from part part a um, we started now we're we're probably at F someplace still developing uh, he just moved out of, out of California he's building a house in another another state he's he's doing some really creative things gonna open another business in another state so it's a lot of moving parts of these families but but staying on top of these objectives and we have a cheat a sheet that we track activity with these families mm-hmm. and Michael and my team do a great job on making sure every quarter we remind clients on projects we're working on, things still need to be accomplished, successes that we had along the way, and keep reminding them of all the good things that everyone's done along the way. Fantastic. I have one last question. I know we're out of time, but I didn't hear at the beginning of the podcast, how large was this company? How many employees altogether? About 80 employees. I think about 80, yeah. yeah. About 80 employees. Okay, and and when you're working with these families – are you, when you're looking at their businesses, what sizes are we talking? Are we talking, you know, are they got five, 10 employees up to 80, up to hundred, up to 200. Who are you working with in general? Yeah, that all our clients are different. So I would say the largest client we have about a hundred, 120 employees, Michael. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the smaller right. end of the, under the scale for employees, very small, small, closely held businesses. Go yeah. On. But the, and the, I think that's a good question. The employee number, uh, isn't as much of a, a concern, if you will, of mm-hmm. us. Uh, we we have a lot of families on our platform that um, have a few employees. It really, the the type of industry, the type of business, to a large degree, uh, we're sort of agnostic to. It's yeah. really again that family CFO role that we take. Uh, very often, doesn't matter what type of business we have. Therefore, the employees aren't aren't as important. But I think yeah, the largest is probably about 120 employees. Yeah, and I I asked that question because I know in this series, and I want to just 
let the audience know this series is not going to be sequential. Uh, they're going to be sprinkling in case studies every so often to the podcast recordings uh, as they come up with some other things that they want to talk about and, and other families that they want to focus on so that you can get an idea of all the things that they're doing. So this one was very specific. And I'm, I'm just going to challenge you right now, guys. I'd love to hear one where there was a company with maybe 20 or less employees uh, for the next case study, because I think there's a lot of people listening to this podcast right now that probably are in a smaller business than they, maybe they don't have any employees. Maybe they've got you know, five, 10, and, but they're still thinking, you know, these things that you're triggering in them. So I'd love to do that for the next case study. And again, audience, they're going to be touching on all these different areas that they just talked about today. Whatever the family's greatest needs are, they are, they're going to focus on those. So they may not hit every little spot that they worked with the family on, uh, but that's only because, well, that'd be a three hour podcast, you know, for sure. So we want to keep your time valuable as you're listening to this and learning things. John and Michael, I know we've done it before. Can you give out the number that they can reach you at? Because I guarantee there's people listening going, man, these are some great strategies. Plus, they need to know where to find those past podcasts you mentioned. And I know that uh, somebody at the front desk can help point them in the right direction. Sure. Our, our phone number is area code 856-988-8300. All right, guys. Thank you so much. This was probably your best podcast so far. I loved it. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you, yeah, we, we always have fun doing them. Absolutely. And I want to thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when John and Michael come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services Incorporated, a member of FINRA SIPC Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors Incorporated, an SEC registered investment advisor. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of APFS and APA. Any opinions expressed in this forum are not the opinion or view of American Portfolios Financial Services Incorporated APFS or American Portfolios Advisors Incorporated APA and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. 
Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors.